and welcome to series three of the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr. Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who's passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental health. Each week on the podcast, I interview a different knitter about why they knit and how it benefits their mental health. Before I introduce this week's guest, I just wanted to let you know that I've started a Patreon for anyone who wants to support the podcast. At the moment, there are two tiers at which you can support the podcast. The first one, you get access to our community. So I hope that this will be a place where like-minded people who are using knitting for their well-being can come and chat to each other, share their knitting successes and challenges, ask for help and share resources. And then there's another tier where I'll be hosting a knit night from 7 to 8 p.m. on the first Thursday of the month. That's UK time. So if you're interested, you can go to Patreon website and search for the Why I Knit podcast. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Jen Unwin, who is a clinical and health psychologist. Jen has retired from her role in the NHS and is now working in the area of food addictions. Jen speaks about how she's used knitting personally for her own mental well-being and also how she's used knitting in a mental health setting and as part of her work in food addictions. So hi Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, it's my favourite topic so I'm really, <laughs> really happy to uh, chat on about knitting and crochet for sure. Mine too, yeah it's a real treat for me to get to have these conversations with people. Um, I always start by asking where your story with knitting and crochet began, so where did yours start? Yes, well quite a long way back really, so um, my paternal grandmother was a really really good knitter and she was one of those who could just you know knit and chat no pattern I think they you know they did a lot of wartime knitting didn't they socks and uh yeah she could she could just kind of knit away and and she was often seen uh, sitting and knitting in front of Coronation Street for example and she made us lots of jumpers when we were little so me and my brother would have the old scratchy scratchy <laughs> jumper in there I think I think there were some bathing suits. I think I think it yeah, I think it did go to that, but they they always go a bit saggy, don't they, in the water. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that wasn't so good. Um but I so I was kind of fascinated by that. And then my my mom was also my maternal grandmother, I never I never saw her knitting, but my my mom was a knitter, so I don't know where she learned, and I can't ask her now because she's not with us anymore, unfortunately. But so I actually would say that they both sort of taught me to knit so when when I went and stayed with my grandmother she she would sort of have a go but it was probably more my mother that taught taught me to knit and um she then latterly was an amazing patchwork quilter that was how in the end she <laughs> I think she just enjoyed that more and she loved the fabrics and she 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 went ahead and did did a lot more of that and it, that wasn't something that that sort of uh, I didn't catch that bug mm. so I could knit quite young I'd probably say eight or nine I, I could knit I, oh I made my I've just remembered that one father's day I made my father a very stylish mohair tie okay yeah in in sort of autumnal colors it was sort of variegated yarn I mean looking back it was really ghastly and bless him he went out of the house wearing it to go oh. to work I'm sure he I'm sure he had another tie in his briefcase <laughs> I'm sure he didn't go in the office looking like that but bless him he did he did wear it oh. <clears throat> so uh, yeah so I could I could kind of uh, obviously knit at that age and then I kind of had a bit of a gap where why I didn't do it so much but I do remember at university knitting 
knitting jumpers for boyfriends and things like that. (laughs) So uh, it it carried on. Uh, And then it's really been, I suppose, since, and I did do bits and bobs, you know, when the kids were young a little bit, but but not loads. And it was really when the children got a bit older, I, I really got into it again, the knitting. And I think it's become a lot more fashionable again. So I, you know, there were more lovely yarn shops and lovely yarn patterns and things that you could sort of look up online. Yeah. So I did all of that um, and was really enjoying that. And then I got obsessed with crochet because I'd never learned to crochet as a child but I loved some of the things that you could make and the patterns and I thought well that would be a good goal you know to learn something new good for the brain um so I I taught myself to to crochet um which is quite difficult when you've already been a knitter I don't know if you crochet as well do you I do a little bit yeah but I think I probably learned them both I was more doing like crocheting an edge on a shawl, for example, because it was a bit easier than picking up stitches. So I've never quite done as much of it. I have crocheted a blanket and I would say I would mainly reach for a crochet hook for like a toy or something 3D um, because I find it, I don't know, somehow feel like it is more suited to that than knitting. Doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that was it. I think I was like, there was kind of things that you could do with crochet that you can, so I got, very obsessed with that and I went and did um a, t- a, t- a teaching qualification um there was a, as a crochet tutor called Pauline Turner up here she's sort of up here in the northwest who ran um sort of distance learning but you could also go and do workshops and things and you had to really learn so of course I'd learned it not exactly right because I'd taught myself so I had to mm. sort of relearn but it was really interesting met some interesting people and had to make you know proper samples of all the different stitches and blah blah have little exams and things so that that was good so I've really learned how to do that but um I haven't done so much of that recently actually although I could could still do it and 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 teach I've kind of gone back to the knitting uh, obsession yeah so that's that's how it it came about was definitely sort of learning it from from the uh from maternal (laughs) relatives which uh, I think is how a lot of a lot of people learn, isn't it yeah and I think it's very common to have kind of phases when it comes and goes in your life where you do more of it and where your life is more I don't know maybe suited to having that kind of a hobby I always think I'm kind of in a good place if I'm knitting and if I've got or got some sort of project creative project like that on the go it's usually a good sign because when mm. I draw it, it's usually when things are getting a bit hectic and uh, I haven't got that time to sort of uh, sit and do creative things which I think is really an important part of sort of a a balanced life for me anyway yeah that's interesting and it's not the first time I've heard that actually I think in a conversation on the podcast about the idea of it being like a sign of being in a more balanced place maybe cognitively that that your brain needs that creative kind of outlet got the space for it and and that's yeah it's it's a good sign I always think oh if I see myself like you know doing starting a new project or you know sitting down and and and, and knitting you know regularly that that's that's always a, a sign that I'm in a better place mm. and do you think the knitting helps you get to a better place or do you think it's just oh you've got a bit more bandwidth and then you would think of picking it up mm, I think I think a bit of both I think if I'm if I'm not in such a good good place or I'm feeling a bit stressful I can actually make myself sit down and even do half an hour that that is the way that I get in my you know kind of happy zone if you like <laughs> uh, particularly 
particularly when paired with um you know a good a good podcast actually or an audio books is something that i really love to to sit down and either it either something a sort of you know um fiction or all non-fiction sometimes if or listen to a um a, a, a sort of educational podcast anything anything like that i like to sort of combine the two yeah yeah they work quite well together don't they and yeah. what kind of thing would you gravitate towards to knit oh i uh oh i've been through several phases <laughs> shawl uh-huh. I, had a, I had a shawl obsession you okay. mentioned shawls there yeah. uh, uh, so i've made quite quite a few shawls in the past and and but, you know been through all the kind of lace phase and the uh yeah so shawls is something i like and again it's quite it's quite sort of um mathematical isn't it and satisfying a shawl because you're either well you're either going up or you're coming down so it's kind of sense of progress there yeah um at the moment i'm making a little um a little dress for my youngest granddaughter who's just turned three so it was supposed to be ready for her birthday but sorry it wasn't uh <laughs> a little dress with a little skirt which is which is really cute so yeah i make quite a few things for the for the grandkids so so one christmas i there's there's four grandkids and, and my daughter and a husband. So I made them all Christmas hats one year. You know, they the the little ones like they like hats a lot or you know, scarves, that kind of thing. So I do do that for them. I have made in lockdown, I had some bigger projects. <laughs> I thought, right, this is a chance now, the first lockdown. So I did uh, my husband a really nice Aaron cabled cardigan with a shawl shawl collar and yeah. like you know leather buttons that kind of old style and um my 21 year old was was here as well because obviously uni was closed so I, I, I asked him what he wanted and he had it, it was like a plain gray jumper but with with sort of panel pattern panel different panels with different stitches on them which hmm. was really, that was a really nice thing to do and then yeah. the the middle son um I did do you remember um Starsky and Hutch used to have they had though that um, he I think it was Starsky had an amazing cardigan that was quite thick wool and it had a band pattern okay yeah I think I know middle, and, yeah. and a short collar so yeah. I made, made him something a bit like that it was like a really chunky cardigan yeah. um yeah so so it's so you're there. knitting quite a lot for other people and do you knit things that you wear yourself as well I have done, but I tend to prefer to knit for other people. Okay, yeah. Don't know, don't know why. When I did my, uh, when I did the crochet qualification, I, I made quite an elaborate cardigan. I, I do, I do wear that. Uh, and what else have I made? Yeah, the shawl. I mean, the shawls actually. Um, I like to to wear. I made <clears throat> again. It was crochet, but it was a really lovely. Um. The, the way that you did the pattern it made butterfly shapes so the, the the holes the holes made butterfly shapes and that was kind of all over this shawl and I actually entered that for um for our local the Heskith Bank show and I actually won best in show oh wow that's amazing so I won the craft and the best in show with this with the shawl so that was my proudest moment and I still have a trophy on my shelf for oh, that. that's brilliant so that yeah that was really really nice yeah, so I do, I do. I would sometimes wear the. Shawl. I think the thing I like about shawls is kind of comforting, isn't it? And yeah, know. see, I do enjoy knitting sh- shawls, but I find I'm not that great at wearing them. I think because I'm constantly kind of on the move and 
like literally physically moving around or putting a coat on, taking a coat off. I find I don't, they don't, I need something that's yeah. more attached to my body than a shawl. <laughs> it just yeah, like off. a cardigan or something. Like a cardigan I, or a jumper. I sometimes wear them um, as a, just a shoulder warmer in bed when I'm sitting up reading in bed. I put a little shawl on like an old granny. Um, I did. My first shawl I ever knitted was had a really big like wingspan or whatever you call it with a shawl. And that I can kind of cross over around me and tie behind my back. So it's almost like you wear it like a poncho I and it's so. not made of anything fancy I think it's like an acrylic yarn so I don't mind like stretching it a little bit it's had a good innings that's how they wore them isn't it the Victorians wore them like that they put them over and and tied them round you know to keep them on yeah maybe I'm doing a Victorian tie I didn't even realize I was just trying to find some way of being able to attach it to my body so I can carry on chasing children and dogs <laughs> TV series that some I don't know if you're the same, but you watch, you watch out for things that are knitted, don't you? And you're like, yeah. oh, that's, that's a knitted shawl, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah. And um, and do you feel like obviously the podcast is about kind of the benefits of knitting for our and crochet for our mental health? I mean, how mm-hmm. how have you found for yourself that they've helped you? Yeah, definitely. As I say, I, I was kind of. I know I know it, it's good for me and I know I'm in a good place when I'm doing it. I just love so there's several things I really love about it so I, I love color I love color particularly I'm one of those people you know how some people can kind of um distinguish tastes or smells or you know they're, they're very yeah. sensitive in a certain sense I, I, I'm really very sensitive to kind of colors and things like that so um I've got a wall of yarn here I've got shelves put up and then I put all my yarn up and it just gives me pleasure just to look at it. Mm. And then, of course, going to the yarn shop is another pleasure, isn't it? That yeah. we all have. And uh, I've got a social, there's a group of us that socially that meet up locally. We've got a knitting club. And we go, we go to the Black Sheep Wool Barn in Warrington. Isn't very far from us. Probably, probably the biggest yarn shop in the UK, I would think. And uh, so we have little trips out there. So that's all, that's always nice. We love the, the buying and, uh, we laugh because one or two one or two of the ladies have to sort of you know you definitely have to feel the wool don't you when you're buying it you definitely have to touch it and there's one lady who has to sniff it okay it's a bit weird but you know <laughs> it's yeah. whatever floats your boat so I, I love that whole aspect of it and I love looking at the patterns and choosing choosing the patterns yeah um and then yeah I just think that act of sitting down and doing something I think you have to get past the point where you're thinking about every move so it's sort of you've done enough practice that it's sort of automatic which of course for those of us that started very young it it really is now we can just put it in our hands and we can you know I can unless it's really complicated I can chat or watch Netflix or listen to a podcast or whatever it is if I'm not sort of literally having to count out the stitches um just that repetitive movement I think is so mindful and calming I'm not a person who's very good at either practicing mindfulness or or kind of just just relaxing I need to be doing something mindful or doing Mm. something relaxing um so I I I love that I love that kind of left right thing and the and the colors so I love things with color work like I made so um feral I love feral because I can kind of use both hands yeah Um, and I love the, the colours and the way that the, the pattern comes out. So, um, And does that make a difference? Like, are there certain projects that would be more, I don't know, relaxing, um, 
because I know sometimes for me I need a more complicated pattern because I find the yeah. relaxation is in my entire brain being absorbed in I can still obviously watch tv at the same time but I can't I don't know think about work or plan tomorrow's dinner or any of those things or plan a birthday party at the same time as doing a very complicated uh farewell pattern yeah I think I think you're right and I think it's sort of that's something that we sort of flex over time isn't it there are times when I just want to knit in the round <laughs> sort of really mind mindlessly because it's you know I'm a bit tired and so I, I often have one or two projects on the go mm. so I'm doing a little baby hat for a, a, a friend's toddler um and at the minute I'm just knitting in the round so I can just kind of knit in it or I have something more complicated on the go as well like a like a little feral project and then as you say you totally you're completely absorbed for that hour or whatever time you're working on it and, and your mind can't drift off so I think yeah I think it's uh it, it's it's definitely definitely both of those things for sure yeah I do like the challenge and learning something new is great isn't it yeah there's always something, you know, that you think, oh, that's a bit scary. I don't know, trying to think of an example. But I mean, like a lot of the, the lace stuff or, you know, even learning to crochet, learning a new a new skill takes up a lot of brain space and you have to sort of be okay with, um, you know, it looking a bit rubbish for a while, you know, or, or having to unpick it or whatever it is. It's okay, yeah. you know, it's okay to go backwards. So, yeah, I think personally, I feel like I've learned a lot from knitting that I then can try and borrow in other areas of my life. I think I am extremely tolerant of making mistakes in knitting, <laughs> whereas I would struggle with that in other spheres of my life. But I think I can I just can accept that great knitters make lots of mistakes and you have to, and the amount of going backwards just doesn't uh annoy me in the same way that I think it used to and I used to have a thing like I often would only knit for like an hour in the evenings and I wouldn't want to go to bed having made less progress than the night before so say if I'd unraveled a whole load of stuff I'd want to stay up until I'd re-knitted a certain amount yeah we call that we call it negative knitting in in the (laughs) the knitting group because often because you're chatting as well when you meet up socially and you're knitting people people get to the point where they they're at the end of the evening and they say do you know what I'm actually I'm I've actually done less (laughs) (laughs) because I'm gonna have to take that home when I get back yeah negative knitting but we just laugh about it I think that's right it's a great life lesson isn't it for those of us that are a little bit perfectionistic and a little bit sort of driven it's really good to be able to just think oh, well, it's kind of, it's kind of good enough, you know, or I've, you know, there's things like, you know, um, I don't know, you may have made a tiny mistake 10 rows back. Well, I'm getting better at just going, well, it's okay. I know it's there, but I don't think anyone else is going to see it there. Whereas I know some people would absolutely have to take that back and, and go back up again. So it's interesting how our personalities interact with it, isn't it? The sort of perfectionistic side or the, you know, yeah. And I think my mum always had a good approach to that. She was like, well, just think it's your thing. Is it going to annoy you? And there isn't a right or wrong answer to that, because what might annoy me might be different to what would annoy you. But you just think about like, if it's going to annoy you, just unravel it and go back and do it again. But if you're not going to think about it again, 
just carry on really good advice yeah Yeah, perfect isn't it yeah exactly it's your it's your work and um whether you're keeping it for yourself or giving it to someone else you've you've got to be you've got to be happy with it and I think the giving part's so lovely isn't it because it it's just a nice thing to do you know and people always really appreciate it if if it's something that's homemade um you know particularly if they see how long it takes you you know something like an Aaron cardigan with a with a short collar you know that if you think about every little stitch you know you're doing that for somebody I think it is it's really nice it's a really nice thing to do yeah I think some people understand then other people ask you for something and they clearly have no concept that there was somebody recently who I knitted a pair of socks for my friend and then their friend wanted a pair of socks and said they would pay me to do it and I was thinking but you they'll cost you five thousand I don't even know how to cost these socks but if you paid me half of minimum wage, it cost you five thousand pounds. Even the most expensive socks ever made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or they, you know, yes, they see they, they see that you've made something, and they say, "Well, can you just make me?" Yes, mm, that is quite annoying when people do that. So that I did. I said I don't mind knitting a pair of socks because I quite like having socks on the needles to take around. You know, like if all of a sudden you end up sitting outside a playground and you get five minutes, you can quickly have shoved the socks in your bag and do some knitting but I said look I'm not promising them that they might show up in August when nobody really wants some woolly socks but that's when they'll be ready <laughs> but they'll be ready yeah, yeah I, I agree a nice a little a socks are a great little project I've never been a great sock knitter but I can see that they're a great small portable thing to take with you yeah and to I quite like to do quite a plain sock so that it is my very easy project because I I think I don't love my project in the evening to be too plain I think like if it's just rounds and rounds of stocking stitch I struggle with that it's not kind of interesting enough um but it's fine for on a bus or something like that then you want to be able to focus on when you're getting off getting off at the right place and not on your being in the middle of a 10 stitch repeat on a lace pattern (laughs) or something yeah and you've got to write it down or take notes yeah um I think it's lovely never to be bored I think that's another thing for, for me I do love the idea of not just watching telly you know you're actually doing something productive and I, I never have to be bored because if I've got half an hour in my day like you say you can just sit down with a cup of tea and and produce a bit of knitting and it does and it does relax you as well so it sort of serves many purposes and you can gift it if it's something you're going to gift you know that that's a nice thing so I think it it does so many things psycho psychologically and you've also used it in your work so you've, you've mentioned that you've volunteered teaching a knitting group. I'd be love to hear a bit more about how you've yeah, used it. Yeah, so work. we had um, locally a, so I was working part-time before, before I retired from the NHS. And locally, um, we've got a sort of, I think they call it like a recovery college. So it's a room, it's a, 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 a building in Southport where people can go, uh, who've got mental health challenges of any kind, they can drop in for advice, but they also run courses out of their, and they can meet with social workers and other people and they have a lovely had a lovely sort of open space and i knew about this this place through work and then um i've got in my social knitting group there was another lady who was willing to to volunteer so we we did a sort of about three hours so it had to stop because of covid or obviously because nobody they closed the building and and nobody could meet up um but for a few years so every monday afternoon uh, we went down with our so we had um, 
I had a great big basket that had, you know, sort of unwanted yarn from all of our social guys. We used to say, you know, has anyone got any wool they're not using? Like, did they have like spare balls left or knitting needles? And we got donated. So, I mean, I always had too much, to be honest. People mm. were really happy to give us wool and needles. And then also, as the group got established, people in the building would would give us stuff as well. So we had loads of spare needles, hooks and, and yarn. And we go down there for sort of three hours a week. And it was it was lovely. It was just either if you can knit and crochet, come along and just join in. It's like um like a knitting crochet group. Yeah. Or we could teach because um Sue, Sue the, the person I did it was was really good knitter. And um, of course, I'd, I'd learned how to teach crochet. So we sort of divided it that way. If people wanted to learn to knit or they were struggling with a the project, they could bring it in and she'd help them mm-hmm. uh, do the next step. And the same with the crochet. I'd start from scratch and teach people to crochet, crochet from scratch. And um, or if they were stuck with, you know, they got to the point where they could crochet, but they couldn't read a pattern, for example. So we'd always just be going at what pace people wanted or they would just bring their own work and we had I mean there was some amazing people came up that had the most amazing skills that taught taught us things yeah <laughs> like special cast on so that there was no hem at all you, you uh, mean, yeah you can perhaps do it but where you know it, it, where you sort of do a provisional cast on and so we we learned that and and several other things from people who who came along or who did a different style of knitting we have one or two that did sort of cut the continentals yeah part of knitting and yeah it was lovely it was lovely to see people learn a skill and to really benefit from that and um you know one or two ladies would say you know this is the only social thing I I do all week but then they would go home and they'd you know do a bit of the project and come back next week and they'd have done some more Um, we have one lady who completely from scratch learned, learned to crochet and made made her daughter a beautiful blanket we just did it in squish did, did a, a square you know she just did a squares and squares and she was so absolutely ple- you know so chuffed with herself and her, yeah and her so lovely lots of baby projects and we we had patterns obviously as well people would donate patterns so it was it was really a very really very very nice thing to do and you know I think well you know people value it because they come back week after week you know yeah. so we had regularly regularly coming back so yeah, it was a lovely thing to do, and we'll—I uh, think they have reopened now, actually. So I'll have to go and go and see if they if they want us back or not yet. Mm. So it sounds like it was well received by the the client group there. By yeah, the people. Yeah, um, and and also by the by the by the centre them, mm. themselves. I think they they really liked it. And uh, when they had special things like like Easter or Christmas, we'd make little. So we did, you know, chicks or. We do, we do sometimes do some joint projects where everybody would make a square and then we'd oh we we linked up that's reminding me now um have you heard of the linus project you might have heard of the linus mm, project i don't think so started in the states and but it is is over here and do you remember you remember peanuts in snoopy oh, um yeah. peanuts had a blanket um linus had a blanket all the time oh, yeah. it's one of and the charity started, and it's most mostly quilting, but they do take crochet and knitted blankets. And the idea is that it's for traumatised children who uh, 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 the police or social work or fire brigades or in hospital come across. So uh, they collect the blankets and then they distribute them to hospitals, okay. fire service, police, 
who, who whatever contacts they have so that say a policeman came, came across a distressed child or they the child had been involved in a fire or something like that they or they're in hospital they they give them a blanket or a quilt uh, and it's theirs to keep so it's it's a lovely project so anyone who didn't know what to knit we had them making six six inch squares <laughs> out of the yarn that had been donated yeah and we and sue and i would stitch these up and then one you know every few months the the representative from the linus project was would come down talk about the project and would would take take the blankets that we'd made i uh, think there's lots of things like that on there where you can make oh twiddle twiddle muffs oh, we did yes, as well i did hear about those ones yeah the alzheimer's patients in the hospital so they asked because i was still working at the hospital at the time um one of the spe- uh, the specialist dementia nurses said oh you could could your group make us some of these muffs so they were very easy to make because it's really just um just a straight piece of knitting that you join into a muff and then you stitch interesting things onto them like velcro and buttons and zips and things like that so that people can fiddle yeah. with them so uh yeah it was uh we came up with a few things over the years and it, yeah it was a very nice mm. thing to do and what were some of the ways you think it helped the people who came to the group what do you think they got out of it uh, I mean, definitely the socialising. I think one thing is that um, a lot of a lot of people were very uh, found it quite difficult to to socialise. That was the thing they struggled with. But I think where you're sitting around and you're focusing on your your knitting, but you can listen to the chat and just join in, and people, you know, maybe ask you the odd thing. But it's not a kind of in, it's not a group, yeah, t- intense sort of thing where you're going to have to answer a question or, you know. So I think people could come along and. They could join in as much or little as as they liked. So it was very kind of relaxed in that way. So as I say, some people said, you know, this is the only thing I kind of do all week. So I think I think the socialising. I mean, we know what difference that makes to people to have that have that sort of social connection and people kind of concerned about you. And sometimes some of the women, you know, really did, you know, bond really nicely and and had little social things going on that they would sort of carry on outside the. Uh, outside the the group so I think I think the socializing I think the other thing the sort of self-esteem thing quite often they felt I think that they couldn't you know they couldn't learn anything new or that you know they came along kind of a bit skeptical about whether they'd be able to learn and I think if you just take things step by step and you start with really simple things they were so like the lady who made the blanket for a daughter was just so chuffed that she'd learned something new and been able to make something that was you know you could tell that was really fantastic for her own you know how she viewed herself and her capabilities and I suppose you'd hope that that again that might generalize a little bit you know into their lives that they maybe would try something else new or you know um, could feel that they could they could learn you know it wasn't hopeless they could learn other skills sometimes people did struggle because you know they're often on a lot of medication or you know they are quite distressed so you did have to definitely sometimes people just came and 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 sat and listened or sat and chatted and didn't do any you know they came for the socializing that there was one who always used to come and she did have a, a a little bit of knitting on the go one of these squares um but it it would more often just sit on the desk it, would, it wouldn't actually happen but you know that's fine yeah yeah I think it's it's a great point that it is quite a nice low pressure and possibly a fairly uniquely low pressure social environment isn't it that you could just go and sit and there isn't actually a pressure that everybody would talk at all you could just be busy doing your thing in the company of other people um 
and join in if they, you wanted to comment on something or other, but that that it would be fine not to as well. We had one lady who was in a wheelchair. She, she had some sort of a rheumatoid thing, so she could only do a certain amount. And she actually bought her, what do you call it, like a cross-stitch sort of thing on a on, on a grid. Uh, and she would bring that because that's something that she could she was able to do with with her hands and we'd yeah or we'd try and you know we would try and adapt some people did have various conditions and, and we would sort of say well you know maybe crocheting would be easier because you've got this pain or whatever yeah. or you know knitting and we'd perhaps try one and then the other depending on if they, if they hadn't if they couldn't do either um and see which which they sort of got on with got on with better and i think learning to sort of be okay with that frustration of being a real beginner as well was was a good thing for some people you know they did get quite frustrated because you're all fingers and thumbs yeah. crocheted at the beginning you feel like you've got 12 fingers instead of 10 but you know we were very much about it is a really difficult thing to learn initially so just practice this one move you know and come back next week and then they would you know they would notice that they were making progress mm a good metaphor for life isn't it that like we were saying it's okay to make mistakes that's how you learn and that also you know you just just doing this thing repeatedly you do get slightly better at it yeah and then you know you notice that as well I think that's quite a good it's quite a good metaphor for other yeah other yeah other things and how to achieve other things in life as well because it's not the easiest thing to just try and get a sense of achievement and relaxation straight away is it something that you have to have like you said have mastered the basics before you get to the point at which it can feel relaxing it can feel quite stressful and annoying to start with yeah yeah well you know to get that to get the flow thing yeah because the that flow thing is about having that sort of it's it's learned isn't it it's 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 sort of um you're able to do it without having to think about moves that's how you get into the real yeah mindful mindful bit yeah Yeah. and that takes that takes a while to get Mm -hmm, and you mentioned that you're now working in food addiction Mm. and you've also suggested it to people that you're working with in that context I'm curious to know how that's been received by the people you've worked with and whether people have tried knitting in that context yeah so yeah so I'm 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 now really specializing in helping people with um problems with sh- yeah sugar and, and food addiction and uh, not necessarily obesity actually because not everyone's overweight that has that that problem but um yeah sometimes obesity and it's trying to help people to find other other things to think yeah to think about and to focus on particularly when they're getting create real cravings to to eat eat certain things because that's so that's become such a sort of ingrained uh habit if you like say one thing that people do struggle with quite often is eating in front of the television because that's become such a such a habit and they, they crave those crave those foods so yeah i have have uh, i do tell people that one way that you know it really helps me is because after my meal in the evening, if I sit down and pick up my knitting, it's very incompatible with eating. Mm. <laughs> Partly because your hands are full and you're under a project, so you don't have to get up again. Yeah. And uh, and also you don't want to get all greasy, but you don't want to be eating and knitting is never a good combo because you're going to get yeah. bits of food stuck in your knitting. So we talk about, you know, whether it's knitting or something else, trying to find something that that's 
that's incompatible with eating and that that brings them other you know brings them so when people are trying to to give up sugar they've obviously been used it's the same with alcohol or cigarettes or any other addictive um substance and behavior you're doing it for a reason in a sense so whether it's um you know comfort or boredom or you know that that behavior fills a fills a role in our lives so you're trying to build a life and develop a life where you're getting whatever it is from from other means so I often talk to people about you know what what sugar does give you is a big dopamine hit a big serotonin hit um these sort of brain neurotransmitters um oxytocin but actually you can get all those things from doing other things and knitting's a really I mean, walking and exercise are brilliant for getting all those yeah. things as well. So I really encourage people to do that. You know, don't be sitting and knitting all day. That probably isn't a great recipe uh, for health. But, um, you know, you're going to. So dopamine's about motivation, isn't it? And, and reward and success. So you're going to get that from, you know, seeing your project build. Um, you get um, oxytocin from the, the touch of it, the feel mm. of it. It's like stroking pets isn't it It gives us that sort of feeling and also if you're knitting together with other people or if you're gifting knitting that gives you that kind of closeness that sort of feel good from that point of view um so knitting's a really good way of getting some of those good brain transmitters that we were getting in these ways that we're trying to to stop (laughs) Um, and also i think there is quite a bit of evidence this that this the left right brain thing and this sort of using our hands is such um a sort of ancestral thing to do it it does it does good for the brain it calms us it makes good connections in the brain so i don't know all the research on that but i i have sort of read a little bit about it that this this left you know using both hands is is a great thing to do for calming us down and getting us in a a better space where we're less likely to indulge in these sort of harmful ways of feeling better like like addictions for example yeah and I think it's not always straightforward to find like I think sometimes you need to do a bit of thinking some the conclusion I've come to over time about how your knitting can meet those needs because I think not all knitting projects can meet those needs for all people all the time like sometimes I get to the point with a project where it's just too big or something I don't know there's a new stressor in my life and I need a like you said a hit of something different like recently it was I felt like I wanted the tactile sensation of the mohair that I was just knitting with and that was yeah there was probably something I wasn't getting from this very big jumper that I was slogging away at that I am enjoying and I'm still working on but I needed something new and exciting as well yeah but I don't think I always would have thought about my knitting in that way, that it was strategically to meet a need for me. <laughs> and I think sometimes we lose people potentially, like knitters lose their mojo because they are plugging away at a project that's maybe too big, that maybe we need to think a bit more flexibly about what do I need right now from my knitting. <laughs> and- I think it's okay to start another Yeah, it's okay to start another project, isn't it? It's a, it's a bit like, you know, like you say something some of us might have that personality where we feel we mustn't allow ourselves, yeah. you know, the, the indulgence of starting another project. If we've, um, I've, I've completely got over that. And usually I think like many of us at the end of the day have two or three things 
on the go or something sort of lined up you know if I stop enjoying this well actually I've got this other idea about what I'm going to do next and you know it's it's good to be able to finish some stuff isn't it I have got one friend who seems to she calls it UTS under the stairs and she puts all these unfinished projects under the stairs we could say I think you should get some of those out you know and actually finish them then you get that sense of you know that the the bit at the end of the success of you finished it and maybe you've gifted it to somebody so you get that that I did used to have that you know a few lurking that were not finished but um yeah, um, James McIntosh, who I interviewed, called them P- his PhDs, his projects half done. So he said, you've got 21 PhDs, <laughs> um, which I thought was a good way of talking about them. Um, Lovely to be in a group, actually, because um, so one of the two, one or two people in the group that we've, this is the social knitting group, that there's one or two there that we've talked to knit as a group. They've come along as non-knitters, yeah. but they've sort of looked a long way. And some people hate certain things. So there's one lady that hates pick up a knit. But if if she comes on a Thursday with her pick up and knit undone, someone else will, will do it for her or someone else who hates sewing up. So she do she makes the most amazing kind of, you know, Aaron cardigany things, but they're under the stairs and it's all made. It's just it's never been sewn up. Yeah. So someone else doesn't mind sewing up will do it, do it for you. So I think, you know, that's nice if you if you can join a, a group. In fact, I, I st- it's been going a long time now, probably. Uh, about 15 years now the so the social group and I did actually start it because there wasn't one in Southport um I just got some cards printed and put them there was a yarn shop in Southport at the time there isn't one now put cards in there and in a couple of the the um fabric shops yeah. saying does anyone want to start a uh, a group and then we started meeting in a in a local pub now you could do that on you could do that on Ravelry Ravelry now yeah. you could try and find people in other ways but at the time I don't know. I don't think I knew about Ravelry at the time. Yeah, there's the few of us that have been there the, the whole time. I just met those. They just turned up on that night and we've kept the group going ever since. So if you've not got a group locally, you know, maybe think about yeah. starting one up because I think it you learn so much from other people. Mm. And it is nice to have people who you can see in real life to share your hobby with. You can yak on about, about your love of yarn. And uh, go on trips and things. Whereas if you're the only knitter in your family, it's a bit of a kind of, it's nice that it's a solitary, you know, it's fine, isn't it, to do it's a solitary thing, but it is nice to connect. And I like, I quite like occasionally, maybe in about once a year, but to go to one of the shows or, you know, yeah, go and go do some kind of a event, which they've started up again now, haven't they? So it's nice to go to Yarndale or something like that, which is reasonably near us up here. Um, Jen, I always ask about a significant knitting project. I don't know if you've got one in mind that's significant, could be significant in any way, really. Maybe that. I mean, probably probably that shawl, really, because I really, really enjoy doing it. It's a beautiful prize winning shawl. My prize winning yeah. shawl, it's a beautiful pattern that makes these little butterflies as you go along. And also I did it in a lovely, you can see I like lime yeah. green. It was beautiful, only slightly variegated sort of, I think it was a West Yorkshire spinners, lime green four ply thing um so I yeah I really enjoy doing that and it's a it's a shawl of course so I I, I do like doing shawls so that that would probably be the main one although I I did love making the lockdown cable cable cardigan for my husband as well because that was quite a big project and I wouldn't I don't think I would have probably started if it hadn't have been for lockdown I probably wouldn't have done something so big and complicated okay. So do you think you felt like so you had a bit more kind of time to 
I did. Yeah, because it wasn't long after I'd retired from the NHS and I hadn't really, I'm, I'm kind of busy again now, as everybody does when they retire, they find loads of things to do. Like I'm doing all these groups for people with food addiction online. But at the time I wasn't, wasn't so busy. So I knew I'd be able to, um, and it was a, a nice way to make something out of, out of lockdown one. Yeah. yeah. And how does it feel to have that? I mean, obviously it's not you that's wearing it, but that it, does it still remind yeah. you of that time? Yeah, definitely, definitely. When I when I see him wearing it, and he's, he, yeah, he's quite proud of it. And he wears it quite often. Wears a bow tie. He's a bit, he's a bit that way. So it looks really nice with this white shirt and this bow tie. And he's done a couple of Zoom, you know, podcasts and things like that with this with this uh, jumper on. Oh. So <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. That's really nice. Very nice. It's lovely when things are really appreciated and kind of treasured in that yeah. way, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, he always looks after. He's not very good at folding up clothes and putting them away normally. But I, when I see that, it's always nicely put away. So I oh, think, that's oh, that's good. nice. <laughs> it's having special care. And <laughs> oh. um, I always end the podcast with asking, "What's the greatest gift that knitting has given you for the rest of your life?" Oh, I think it's probably that thing of just there's always something lovely in the day. Mm. <laughs> Never bored, always something lovely. And it's a lovely place to put your head, even if you're not actually knitting, thinking about, um, you know, the project, the projects you might do or kind of looking on Ravelry, the patterns. And so there's, so there's something beautiful in every day mm. because of, because of knitting, I would say. Oh, that's lovely. So it's kind of like your happy place that even like yeah. mentally you could disappear off and plan your next project. if Definitely. Or if, you know, if I'm, I, I sleep really well, actually, but if there's ever a night when I'm not sleeping really well, mm. I can be thinking about knitting and yarn and, you know, you can, it, you soon, you soon drift off again if you're yeah. sort of thinking about that. Yeah. So definitely a happy, definitely a happy place. Oh, that's lovely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and hear about how you've used knitting in your work and to hear about your personal story with knitting. Um, I don't know if you're on are you on Instagram or is there anywhere if people want to find out about your work? Yeah. So um, I mostly hang around on Twitter at, at Jen underscore Unwin. But I'm also on Instagram as at Jen underscore Unwin. And I um, also I have a I have a clubhouse. I don't know if uh-huh. I don't know if you or people are listening have heard of Clubhouse. So every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. I have a clubhouse on that's on food addiction though and it's in a club called fork in the road or I, i'm also i am on clubhouse okay. at jen underscore unwin so if you follow me there and follow fork in the road room you'd see it at 6 p.m uh every wednesday if anyone's interested in that topic uh we don't talk about knitting but maybe we should <laughs> i think it's nice to have a crossover even if it's just a one-off <laughs> Yeah. And I guess you never know. Knitters are lurking everywhere, as I've discovered from doing this podcast. And I've had quite a few health professionals, I would say, um, contact me. Um, Yeah. And other people who are interested in using knitting as part of their kind of work, which either with colleagues or with clients. So, yeah, it's been really interesting. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Why I Knit podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe as it helps other people to learn more about the therapeutic benefits of knitting. If you'd like to find out more about my work, you can visit my website at therapeuticknitting.org. You can also follow me on Instagram at knittingistherapeutic. Thank you.